Hi everyone and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast where we're talking everything from red red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie and I'll be your host today. Today, this is episode 27 and today is Wednesday, February 17th, making today a wine Wednesday. For our episode today, we will be talking all about the difference between natural, organic, and biodynamic wines and winemaking. Since I talked all about the awesome sustainable wine um, that I had the other week. We'll also toss in what sustainable winemaking means as well. This is a super hotly contested topic in wine, um, one that is a little bit polarizing for a lot of people that work in wine and who are winemakers, and one that has only semi-rigid rules around it, so it can be a little bit hard and complicated to kind of understand. So let's jump on in. All right. Organic and biodynamic designations both have international standards surrounding how these wines can be made or these grapes can be grown. By contrast, natural or these so-called clean wines that are popping up don't have any specific ruling around them. Personally, I think that natural wine tends to hold a little more water than a quote-unquote clean wine. Um, The term clean wine seemed to pop up in 2020, like we really needed anything else weird in 2020, touting itself as a clean, natural, and free from additives and colors wine and winemaking style. But really, the addition of color is so rarely used especially in fine wine. You might find it in more of like your box style or big, um, kind of big brand generic wine, like your two buck chuck, that it's kind of negligible and it's not even really something we need to worry about or talk about. So I'm not sure why it became a big issue for people. And as far as additives, so they were touting a sulfur free wine, basically. Well, Sulfur is natural. Sulfur is quite literally a natural product found in nature that we use as a preservative. And it's a natural preservative. As someone with a sulfur allergy, I totally look for low-sulfured wines. Um, So some countries and winemaking regions do control and regulate the level of sulfur that can be added to a wine far more tightly than others. So by knowing what regions these are, you can kind of pick and choose if you want to stay with a low sulfated wine. But by no means do I think it's an unnatural product to be using in winemaking. Basically, the idea of clean wine is considered a load of hooey at this point that nobody really puts any stock into. So we'll just kind of ignore quote unquote clean wine and talk about everything else. Now, for natural wines... These are wines that can be more accurately described as low-intervention wines. According to the Oxford Companion to Wine, its latest edition, curated by the ever-so-amazing Jancis Robinson, natural wines can be described as grown by small-scale independent producers, typically hand-picked from sustainable organic or biodynamic vineyards, fermented without added yeast or as a wild fermentation. Nothing is added to the must before fermentation. So no yeast, no sugar, no acid to balance out the pH 
or anything else like that. And little to no sulfur additions are done throughout the whole winemaking process. Natural wines can kind of be described as like the overarching theme of sustainable organic or biodynamic wines and are sometimes thought of as wines quote-unquote unplugged. So back to basics and back to traditions. Our friend the pet nat that we talked about a few weeks ago falls into this category and it can be an interesting section of the wine world to explore. And of course there are plenty of wines and winemakers out there and wineries that use a natural winemaking approach to their winemaking that don't put it on the bottle. They just aren't showy about it. They don't care about the marketing value and the marketing appeal of a natural wine. So it's just not on there. But they do, if you do some research, have natural winemaking tendencies. But if you've seen an orange wine, uh, which is a white wine with skin contact for its fermentation, and they come out anywhere from like a pale peach to a bright orange color, that baby is most definitely a natural bottle of wine. So natural wine is kind of an oddball, but very cool and definitely like an overarching kind of theme and addition. And just so you guys know, sulfurs can be added at any stage. We can use sulfurs in the vineyard to protect against pest. We can use sulfurs when we bring the grapes in. If they have to sit for a while, you can um, put a layer, you can kind of add some to them there to help protect them so they don't over ripen or start to go off while they're sitting before they can be crushed. They are added to the tank to, again, preserve them. They can be added just before bottling, again, to preserve them so they don't go off. So it can be there, but the amount that's allowed in your final bottle, which is measured in parts per million, is the controlled number, and it has to be the accumulation of everything that's gone into that bottle. So... There is some analysis that can be done there. All right, next up, biodynamics. Most people tend to think biodynamics falls somewhere between witchcraft, science, and art. And, well, really, it kind of does, guys. So what does it involve? The concept is everything is this, okay? And it's kind of an, an overarching ideal. And it says that everything in the universe is interconnected and everything gives off a resonance or a vibe. Um, And these vibes connect to each other and that's how we as people grow and how um, plants grow and animals grow. We're all interconnected. This interconnectivity also includes not only everything here on Earth, but the moon, the planets, and the stars. So basically biodynamics is a very holistic approach to agriculture and like the agricultural side of grape growing. Um, Biodynamics in winemaking does happen, but it's a little bit harder to explain. Um, But it follows the same concepts. It's also the oldest anti-chemical agricultural movement. Um, It began back in the 1920s with an Austrian philosopher. His name was Rudolf Steiner. And it predates organics by 20 years. So even before we had um, the atomic bomb, people were growing on this ideal kind of of growing. So what is involved in biodynamics? 
Um, it's an all-natural approach. Chemical fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides are all prohibited for the sake of soil fertility. So it really builds on the idea that if your soil is healthy, then your crop will be healthy. A range of always adorable animals, from chickens to sheep to cattle and sometimes even horses, live on the land to help with the fertility, as well as reducing pest populations, and they can be used for things like leaf thinning um, or um, so opening up the canopy. Some of them will be allowed to eat them before the grapes kind of ripen. So biodynamic grape growers and winemakers follow a special calendar that controls everything that they do, from pruning to harvesting. There are four kinds of days in the biodynamic calendar. Fruit days are for harvesting, leaf days are for watering, root days are for pruning, and flower days are when the vineyards are left completely alone and you don't do anything. So it's kind of cool. It's a very natural and holistic approach. Um, there's a lot of um, looking at the sun and the moon rotations and the star alignments as well. Now my favorite biodynamic practice is the bearing of the horns. They take a cow's horn, specifically a cow and never a bull, and stuff it with manure compost and bury the horns for the winter in the vineyards or whatever other site is being grown biodynamically. Come spring, the horns are excavated and the manure is spread throughout the site. This practice is used to help balance the pH of the soil and is absolutely essential in a biodynamic vineyard. It's such a beautiful moment in the vineyard and the spiritualism that surround it, surrounds it is absolutely amazing. Um, so like I said, there are also biodynamic winemaking practices. They tend to be, again, very low intervention and they kind of let the wines do their own thing. There are wineries that are biodynamic that do use um, an inoculated yeast, so a cultured yeast strain versus wild yeast strains. Um, just kind of depends on their own personal philosophy. So is it the same as organic? Well, in a word, no. Organic wines, by contrast, are made from organically grown grapes. These grapes are grown without the use of chemical fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides, same as biodynamics, but they don't have to use the biodynamic calendar for harvesting or pruning, meaning the winemaker or grape grower can just harvest or prune whenever, and as long as they aren't tampering with the natural fertility of the soil, it doesn't really matter. Many organic vineyards also use animals for soil fertility and vine management, same as biodynamics. But, uh, or additionally, organic wines can also have a litany of additives to ensure a stable winemaking environment. So they can add things like a yeast additive, sulfurs, even egg whites or gelatins to help with the fining process. Whereas most biodynamics, or some biodynamics won't, definitely no, none of the natural wines will. So it just kind of depends on the philosophy of the winemaker at that point. To further complicate things, there are two different standards of what makes an organic wine organic, depending on where your bottle is coming from. In Canada and Europe, it's defined as, quote, a wine made from organically grown grapes that may contain added sulfites. But 
if your bottle is coming from the U.S., organic is defined as, quote, a wine made from organically grown grapes without added sulfites, end quote. So it's a little bit complicated. It's a little bit gray. It's a little bit muddy. Um, most producers that are using these terms, if you go on their social media or they're on their websites, they'll list what they're doing, um, especially biodynamic winemaking. They really love to show off those moments in their vineyards where they're burying the horns or extracting the horns, um, and they like to talk about it. Organic winemakers do too. They just have the option of adding some more things in. Now, typically, producers making organic wines have their growing sites inspected by their organic governing body, depending on where they live, on a yearly basis, and have to comply with the standards that these organizations set up for them. So, again, a lot of gray area in there. But then we also throw sustainable wines into the mix. So, these can be organic or biodynamic wines, and sometimes these wines straddle the line between conventionally farmed and organically farmed grapes. Really, though, both organic and biodynamic grapes are sustainably grown. In essence, a sustainably grown grape takes into account the long-term effects of the grape growing on the vineyard site. So sustainable grapes tend to at least be organically grown and looking at the effects of using chemical pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers on the vineyard site. So they want to see, again, with that soil fertility, don't forget, grapes are a crop. If the soil's not great, then the grapes aren't going to be great. They want to see um, less pesticides, less herbicides, so an increase in bug activity, good bugs like bees, um, and kind of a return to a more natural approach. But sustainable wine also factors in things like using local and hyper-local grapes, so ones that don't have to travel as far to get to the winery. It used to be that if you were making wine in California, you could bring in grapes from anywhere in California and still call it a Californian-made wine, and you can still do that. But now a sustainable winery is looking to maybe only bring grapes in from 50 kilometers away from them, maybe 100 up the absolute most, but probably 50, and keeping it hyper-local so that they travel less far. They're using up less resources to get them there, and at the end of the day, it means the grapes are definitely on the truck a lot less, which leads to a better wine. Um, and then they're also more sustainable to get to market. These are also, these also tend to be wines that are a little bit harder to find in markets outside of where they are because they're not going to be the winery that's into bulk shipping across the ocean or into bulk shipping around the globe or even across the country. Many sustainably sourced wines are also or also use recycled glass bottles. Um, keeping more bottles out of the landfills and reusing them definitely helps with the sustainability of winemaking. They tend to experiment more with tetra packs and boxes. Some are even carbon neutral or plant cover crops to encourage bees and other wildlife to join them in the vineyards and create a more sustainable environment and um, area around what they're doing. Uh, 
lots of wineries that are sustainable are experimenting with solar power or wind power, and some are even gravity-fed, reducing the need for pumps, which can damage the grapes and the wines, and use a massive amount of electricity. Remember, after all, winemakers, and especially grape growers or viticulturalists, are, at heart, farmers. And they want to produce a product that is not only great, it's sustainable, and that gives back. Oh, and for anyone that's in the, into regenerative agriculture, there are at least two wineries that I know of, one in California and one in Oregon, that are experimenting with the idea of regenerative agriculture as a sustainable means of growing grapes. They've both just started. Um, one, um, his name's Rajat Parr, took over uh, an abandoned winery in California and is bringing it back and is using sustainable agriculture product or practices there. And another one is um, Brian McClintock, and he's in Oregon, and he is doing the same thing. They've taken over an abandoned winery and vineyard site, and they're trying to use all sustainable and regenerative agriculture practices in order to rebuild these vines. Like I said, they've just purchased their sites this in 2020, so it's going to be a few years before we see what happens, but it's a very exciting and interesting time in wine. And in case you guys couldn't tell, I am actually super passionate about the idea of organics, biodynamics, and sustainability in wine. Um, it's a really cool topic to me, and I love getting to taste these wines. They're very unique. They're usually super delicious. I've only ever had one or two that have disappointed me, and I've tasted hundreds of them. So with that, guys, let me know what you think. If you've tried an organic or biodynamic wine, how was it? Were you a fan? Did it turn you off? Let me know who your favorite producers are. You can do that in a couple of ways. You can head over to the website, drinkswithally.com. You can leave a message on the page for podcast episode 27. That's this podcast. And let me know there. You can send me an email. You can also send me an email about a question, comment, or a show topic idea to drinkswithally at gmail.com. Or on the website, there is also a contact form, and you can fill that out. It comes right to me, not to worry. Or, or you can send me a direct or private message on any of the social medias, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, MeWe, um, Spotify, Pinterest, and TikTok, which seems to be going absolutely bananas lately. Um, any of those, they're all at Drinks with Ali. With that, guys, we'll wrap up another episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Fill your glass with something tasty. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>